Today on Ag News Daily. You've got prices on the open market probably approaching about a dollar a unit of nitrogen, which is at least double, if not even more, over where we were a year ago. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Reporting to you today from Kansas City Flying Solo, this is, of course, your host, Delaney Howell. Ashton is making her way down here to Kansas City for the annual National Association of Farm Broadcasters annual convention, a.k.a. NAFB, if you've heard us refer to that earlier in the week or last week. We are going to be bringing you some fantastic interviews, content, and just thoughts from industry leaders, both on the reporting side, but also the industry side, as we'll get to think, as I mentioned on the podcast before, have kind of an, a trade talk, a reverse trade talk with a lot of folks about different issues impacting the business of agriculture. But really, I want to kick things off here with a big piece of news mm, that we reported on yesterday with the Deer and Union Workers, UAW, reaching their, again, third tentative agreement. I am going to wager to bet that the John Deere folks won't be really keen to talk to a room full of reporters about this, but they will nonetheless, I'm sure, get questions about what this new deal looks like. And so, of course, as we reported, Ashton reported yesterday, this includes quote-unquote modest modifications to that formerly rejected proposal, which included immediate raises, immediate 10% raises nonetheless. So I do have a quick update here about those potential changes. And so one of the big ones here was that weekly plan performance that is based on earning levels was determined by increasing the pay now to 120% weekly pay for the team for the week by 67%. Another big change we saw was the maximum weekly pay level for a CIPP application. They changed that to 120%. As far as other big changes, really across the board, they changed things basically to 120%. Now, I've got to be honest with you, reading through this document, which I found on the UAW Local 838 Chapters Facebook page, it's a little confusing what this language means because they basically just took snapshots of those two redlined portions of the agreement, but don't really provide a lot of context or clarity as to what it is those 120% changes actually mean. There aren't a lot of folks that have commented on it either, so I'm not entirely sure what, you know, those changes mean, what they will do for folks. But I think basically it has something to do with the number of hours that folks work and, of course, the compensation that they're going to receive for that. But the document's about 30 pages long, or the excerpt that someone shared on the UAW's Facebook page is about 30 pages long, different various red lines that you see throughout the agreement. Nothing really, though, is easy to read. It's really definitely more legal jargon than anything, but they do have quite a few red lines in even this latest adjustment. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens of that. I believe I shared this on our Ag News Daily Facebook page. So if anyone else wants to try and decipher this, by all means, that would be great. But, of course, Deer will be voting for that probably, at least from all accounts, on Wednesday tomorrow night. So we should have an update on this, hopefully by Thursday, which will be good timing because that is, of course, when our NAFB trade talk happens. And 
we'll have the ability to hopefully follow up with John Deere on this strike. But yesterday we also got news of harvest season in the final stretch now. As of Sunday, USDA reported that the U.S. corn harvest is at 91% complete, which is up pretty comparably from the five-year average, which shows we're at about 86% usually for the five-year average. In the soybean side of things, soybeans are also hitting their final stretch here. They're at 92% complete as of Sunday, up just 1% compared to the five-year average, so pretty much right on pace there. As far as winter wheat conditions go, we really didn't see too much adjustment on this latest report. Just 1% was lost in the fair to poor category, and still about 46% of U.S. winter wheat crop remains in the good to excellent category, so we'll continue to watch that and see how it shakes out. But, you know, another big story that we've been continuing to watch has been the virtual meeting between Chinese President Xi Jinping and, of course, President Biden. From all accounts, it really doesn't sound like trade was discussed a whole lot, much to our dismay here in agriculture. But apparently the Chinese President Xi Jinping used this virtual summit to, quote unquote, warn President Biden that encouraging Taiwanese independence would be, quote, playing with fire. So these, of course, have been the most substantial talks since Mr. Since President Biden took office in January. But both sides appear to be emphasizing that their personal relationship and the summit was an attempt to ease any sort of tensions going on there. And so while we don't really have a ton of news updating us on what actually they talked about... We do know, of course, I read this today as a friendly little reminder, we are nearing the end of phase one. That ends, of course, December 31st of 2021, and they are making good on that promise. You know, they've been continuing to purchase shipments of corn and soybeans and other agricultural goods. But we really don't have any ideas about what's going to happen here for phase two, and that is that deadline of Phase one is quickly approaching. So whether or not we see anything follow through here for phase two is still, I think, the big question mark yet to be seen. So we'll have to continue to watch that story and see how it develops. But, you know, as you're talking about those big Chinese purchases, we really did see a couple of those come through the newswire today and yesterday that I forgot to report on. But we've had two days worth now of export sales headed to Mexico, about 198,000 metric tons of corn for delivery to Mexico as of yesterday. And then today we saw another flash sale reported by USDA, another 270,000 metric tons of corn headed to Mexico. On the soybean balance sheet, we saw 161,000 metric tons of soybeans headed to unknown destinations for the 21-22 marketing year, as well as yesterday a report of 264,000 metric tons of soybeans headed for unknown destinations, which by all accounts typically means China. So continuing to see a little bit of fresh export news there. But switching tracks here just a little bit, as many of you know, well, hopefully you know, and if you don't, you better be buying a turkey. Next week is Thanksgiving time, when many families will sit down and start their holiday festivities for the year. But Americans are expected to purchase about 161 million pounds of butter for this holiday season, which is, of course, 
they're counting basically the second or third week of November through Christmas time, which is apparently enough to make more than 11 million butter cookies. While butter sales usually do increase during this time of the year, dairy farmers of Wisconsin are saying that the pandemic has really caused a spike this year and last year in the rebirth of home cooking, which has also caused butter sales to grow significantly year round. And home cooking and baking has seen about a 400% spike in recipe searches on the Dairy Farmers of Wisconsin's website. So it sounds like positive news there for dairy farmers, which of course, we've seen pretty well-supported prices in the dairy industry as well. And I'm guessing a lot of that can also be pointed back to, of course, butter purchases. So get out and get your butter. We're not going to be any butter shortage. But, I, you know, I personally like to keep, I don't know, maybe two or three pounds of butter in my freezer just to have on hand. I'm curious if any of our listeners have that as well. I don't know if that's like a grandma thing that I was taught growing up, but we always have a lot of butter in our freezer and a lot of meat in our freezer. Those are the two things you can usually count on finding. But anyways, I think that pretty much about does it for news for today. And of course... We'll be bringing you great things this week, so don't fret if you are hoping for some more ag news today. But folks, we need to hop over here and get into our Tech Tuesday for today. And before we do that, we've got to make a quick mention here that, of course, today's episode is sponsored by Performance Beef, an easy-to-use cattle management software. Do any of you know your break-even for every group of cattle on feed? I know that's pretty unique. We at the Howell family did, I believe, usually know that breakout price, but a lot of users or a lot of producers don't. Performance Beef users have quick access to real-time and accurate data. This technology simplifies feeding to financial data, making it easier to generate real-time closeouts, update rations, or analyze performance trends all in one place. Your feed, financial and health information, are integrated in one easy-to-use, accessible platform from your computer, smartphone, or tablet. Find Performance Beef online to learn more and request a demo today. But folks, before we hop into today's interview with Sound Agriculture, we'll talk a little bit about some new products that are hitting the pipeline to help with some of those increasing fertilizer costs that producers will be facing this year. Let's take a quick look at today's markets. And really, we saw a turnaround Tuesday, as Jeff French predicted for us yesterday on the podcast. We really saw soybeans take a breather today after yesterday's pretty significant push to the upside. But December corn finished down five and a half cents today to end at 571 on the nose. The March down six and a half cents to close at 577 and a half. In the soybean pits, the January contract down six cents today to close at 12.51 and a quarter. The March down five and a half to close at 12.63 and a quarter. Chicago wheat down hard on the day today as the December Chicago contract shed 16 cents, closing at 8.10 and a quarter. The March down 16 and three quarter cents, closing at 8.20. Hopping over to take a look at the livestock markets today, we continue to see mixed trade between the live and feeder cattle complex as the December live cattle contract shed just a nickel today to close at 131.72 and a half. The February down 22 and a half cents, closing the day at 136.10. In feeder cattle today, 
The January contract added 80 cents, closing at 159.27 and a half. The March up a dollar oh two, ending the day at 160.90. Some strength today in the lean hog market as the December contract added a dollar ninety two and a half to close at 77.72 and a half. The February up two dollars twenty cents, ending the day at 83.37 and a half. And that does it for today's market. So, folks, let's kick things over to today's interview with Sound Agriculture for today. Well, today we are talking to Jeff Divin, who is the Director of Sales Agronomy for Sound Agriculture. Jeff, thank you so much for coming on and chatting with us today. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. So we have you on here to just kind of talk about fertilizer. Of course, it's been a heavy topic that we've been covering on the show and just trying to get a little bit more information as we go into the 2022 year. But before we get into that, I just kind of want to get a crop update from your neck of the woods. What are things looking like? What have you or some of your clients been seeing in the fields? Or I shouldn't say in the fields anymore. We're just about wrapped up here with harvest. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, home for me is North Central Iowa farm there as well. Uh, basically, everything's wrapped up. Actually got our first uh, snow on the ground here this morning. So yeah, really starting to look at 2022, uh, make some decisions there around crop plan, what our investments might be into things like fertilizer and, and technology. So yeah, looking ahead to next year already. Yeah, and as we look ahead to next year, you know, a lot of farmers are already asking that question, what do we do in this situation where we're still not really seeing any sort of a top in sight for this fertilizer market? And, you know, we get into the discussion of acreage shift and what do we do here? What are you telling growers right now to put them in some peace of mind? Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, the first thing about uh, about this market is, you know, we're unfortunately kind of along for the ride, right? We don't be, get to be in the driver's seat at all around these prices and we just have to to play the cards that were dealt so really the the big thing right now uh comes to digging into that toolbox and seeing if there's any other strategies so we know we have to have at least some fertilizer different forms uh different nutrients but seeing if there's any other tools in the toolbox that we can reach into to help reduce some of those investments that we might need to make or at least you know give us buy us a year where we can wait on making an application until you know, make hopefully next fall when we have prices a little bit more in line. So really look to some of the new technology that's coming out to become more efficient with the nutrients that you are applying and investing in. Well, Jeff, let's talk about some of those new technologies or new ways to go about doing this, because I know sound agriculture is trying to be a, a noisemaker in that space. What are you guys looking into this year as some alternatives? Yeah, absolutely. So I think first and foremost, it's just important to uh, to highlight what Sound Agriculture does. So we create nutrient use efficiency products. And what these do is allow growers uh, the ability to reduce synthetic fertilizer opportunity and just create a more resilient crop. So our flagship product uh, source specifically taps into that native microbiome. So those microbes that are already in your soil and activates them to release the full potential of things like nitrogen and phosphorus, those key nutrients that are in the soil. So activating it, waking it up and getting that soil to produce some of those nutrients for our crop. So I kind of just want to dive in a little bit here on how that might compare maybe price-wise, because I know that that is a big question in people's minds is the cost of fertilizer going into 2022. What does that look like? How does that compare to some of these other um, technologies or, you know, ways to kind of replace their fertilizer methods? 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, I mean, first and foremost, you've got prices on the open market probably a- approaching about a dollar a unit of nitrogen, which is at least double, if not even more, over where we were a year ago and, and on the average year. So that's the first thing to think about. And, and specifically on nitrogen, uh, right, the rate of return, the MRTN on nitrogen, those last pounds that we apply are often less profitable than the first. So it becomes really important to not necessarily put on those insurance pounds of nitrogen, uh, but to just make sure that the core need is being met uh, with that application. So when it comes to product like source, uh, what we've actually seen in our research is the ability to contribute 25 to 50 pounds of nitrogen through nitrogen fixing bacteria into that system. Lots of opportunity to fit a product like source into your budget. Uh, and then get a, a high return on it as well. So Jeff, as you're looking at these products that like source, like you mentioned there, is this to be used as a complete alternative to some of those fertilizer options? Or do you use this in combination with dry or liquid fertilizer? Yeah, absolutely. Definitely uh, in combination with. So uh, the important thing about source to understand is it is activating and leveraging the power of microbes. So Microbes are, you know, in different quantities in different soils. Uh, their activity can be based on temperature. So what we see is, is key growing stages during the season around a herbicide application or a fungicide application where we can ride along and complement the nitrogen program that's already in place. So, yes, it definitely has the ability to add to the system, but works best in conjunction with some of those applications already being made. So Jeff, a quick follow-up for you. How do growers go about deciding, you know, application rates with fertilizer or with the source product? And I guess, how do, how do they figure that out? How do they know, you know, as they're calculating costs, input costs for next year, what they should be calculating towards fertilizer versus some of your products? Yeah, that's a great question. And I think the best place to start, uh, I mean, whether you're considering uh, source application or not, is to dig into and understand your nitrogen use efficiency score. So taking the pounds of N that you're applying and divide that out by the bushels uh, and understanding where that number sits. Uh, you know, historically and for a long time, the talk was about, you know, 1.2 pounds of nitrogen per bushel as a yield goal. Um, it's getting closer down to one and some of, of the top level producers are even down to 0.8 or 0.7. Uh, we even have customers down to 0.6. So really understanding that score. And if, if you're anything, you know, above 1.2, there's definitely an opportunity to reduce some of that nitrogen and a way to de-risk that because sometimes that can feel uncomfortable backing off of nitrogen. A way to de-risk that is a product like Source, uh, where we know we're contributing additional N in season. We're just doing it right in the root zone in a form that's going to be immediately available to the plants uh, and is not exposed to loss uh, due to weather like uh, you know, typical nitrogen applications are. So just as a final question here about what you're really hearing back from growers about trying to do or incorporate these new processes or maybe what they're just ta- talking about when it comes to fertilizer and entering the 2022 growing season. Yeah, uh, when it comes to 2022, there's definitely uh, people looking for alternative solutions. So, um, you know, one of the big thing things that can be done is to, and there's kind of a a generic list here, stabilize any nitrogen that's going on, uh, I think is always a great idea. 
split application, putting that nitrogen on that you are applying as close to plant need as, as possible. So when we look at, you know, the rate that corn specifically takes up nitrogen, it's really in the back half of the season when the plant uh, is starting to mature and, and, you know, reproduce and create that ear. So getting it as close to that as possible, using solutions like source to tap into the soil potential. Soils have been contributing and mineralizing nitrogen uh, forever. So really getting that full benefit is, is another strategy as well. But yeah, really being just kind of frugal with those applications of nitrogen and making sure that they are locked in as tight as they can and not exposed to losses. Well, Jeff, we certainly appreciate you joining us today. Before we let you go, folks have questions about some of the products you're talking or we've been talking about here today. How can they follow up with you? Yeah, absolutely. So you can learn more about Source at sound.ag. So there you'll find information on the product. You can see how easy it is to use. It's a very low use rate, less than an ounce per acre. Uh, Along with that information on the website, we have a dealer locator. So we have a, a great network of dealers across the country selling this product. They can help answer questions, uh, help get that product uh, for you. So sounds.ag to learn more or to find your local dealer. Fantastic, Jeff. Well, thank you so much for joining us again today. Great. Thank you. Well, folks, again, a big thank you there to Jeff for coming on and chatting about the different options that growers could have available to them. And that certainly comes at a great time, as I know a lot of folks are already starting to think about what next year's decisions look like. It is a little bit of an unprecedented time, so you got to think outside of the box a little bit, and there's certainly technology in agriculture to allow us to do so. But folks, again, we'll be tweeting, posting on Instagram, and Facebooking from the NAFB convention this week in Kansas City, so make sure you're following along with us on social media at Ag News Daily. With that, folks, let you go and see you tomorrow. Thank <laughs> you.